Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Everything Auburn is brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit if you use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V at betonline.ag, betonline, where the game starts. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. I'm Taylor Davis, joined as always by Jason Campbell, here to break down everything around Auburn athletics. Hope everyone's had a great week since we last spoke. Obviously, the last episode was a big one, officially announcing and discussing the next head coach of your Auburn Tigers, Hugh Freeze. And as we mentioned last week, ripple effects off of that as he continues to assemble his staff. And then the floodgates open on Monday, the transfer portal, the winter period of 45 days access to the transfer portal happened this week, and it is chaos afoot as expected, along with some more coaching changes. The top four has been selected, conference champions, Heisman finalists, the world of college football, man. This is the craziest time of year, and Jay and I are here to talk all of it. So what's up, everybody? Welcome into another riveting episode. Thank you, as always, for joining us. My man, Jay Cam, is actually coming to us live from the Plains, which is always just so lovely. He's always staying involved up and around the program and truly is our insider. So Jay, what's kind of the pulse around Auburn right now? It is such a crazy time. I know the coaches are already hitting the recruiting trails as they have to, and you add the transfer portal along with that. So uh, how's how's everything going around there? What kind of excitement are you feeling in December? Yeah, this is definitely a uh, fun time because now, you know, you solidified, okay, the coaching carousel as yeah. far as all that talk being done. Now you kind of move forward to the next steps and the next steps right now is putting together a full staff. Uh, you've seen over the last couple of weeks, we've hired a couple of guys to the staff, but we still have yet to hire our coordinators just mm-hmm. yet. Um, so that goes to tell me is that there's some form of inside as far as like who they want as their defense and offensive coordinators, because anytime you start to hire position guys, that coordinator must have a relationship with whoever's getting hired as an assistant coach, hmm. because they have to operate that person's system. Right. And, uh, and I just feel like, you know, maybe that person is either still coaching somewhere, whether it's in the NFL, whether it's in the hmm. you know, college football playoffs, like who knows, you know, the fact that That's it hasn't been, hasn't been announced yet probably means that they're probably tied up right now and they can't yeah. be announced. So, you know, that's just something to keep your head on, uh, keep your eyes open on and, and just uh, from this standpoint. But the biggest thing right now is the transfer portal. Hmm. Auburn definitely has to hit the portal hard this year. Yeah. Um, you know, we only have, what, two linemen coming back that's on scholarship. All the rest of them are graduated. Uh, you need you know, what receivers. You still have some here, but you also mm-hmm. need, you know, you, it wouldn't hurt to add 
two really good ones. I'd say uh, tight end. Yeah, also, you add a tight end here. Yeah. Uh, you're probably going to ask him, you know, is he free? So what he's done with quarterbacks throughout the years, yeah. you know, someone's probably going to – one or two guys probably come in and compete with Robbie as mm-hmm. far as the uh, in the transfer portal. Uh, defensive line, you know, you're going to need some defensive line because you got to build a trenches to win in the SEC. And yep. you see that's how – how Tennessee did it pretty quickly. Uh, offensively, they did. Defensively, I think they're still behind because they got a lot of points scored on them. Right. But you can flip a season. You can steal a season or two year early because of the transfer portal. Now, you have to be, you know, smart about how you do it and trying to fit guys because you're also trying to get guys from high school that has to sign on December 21st. And for mm-hmm. this weekend and next weekend is official visits on Auburn's campus. So Auburn has got to go hard this weekend and this weekend. And for us this week, all the coaches are out of the office right now. Yeah. No one is in the office. Everyone's out recruiting. I don't even think Freeze has been here, but just one day today he was hired. The next day I think he's been gone recruiting the entire time. And all the assistants have gone today to go out and recruit. So they're busting their tails right now. So you got to put your effort Mm -hmm. where it needs to be in order to win. And uh, that's what they're doing right now. You made such a good point that I hadn't really thought about with the coordinators still not having been announced, but several position coaches have. And that's something I hadn't really thought about, you, you know, the how that typically happens chronologically. And it does make sense because you would think that the cord, the coordinators would have a say, at least in the position coaches, because they are then going to be given the tools to see the scheme out, right? So it does make sense to me that maybe they do kind of have that already pinpointed. But one name that was kind of floating around was Barry Odom, and reports are out right now that he's about to accept the UNLV head coaching job. So that there's still some moving pieces with the coaching carousel that also could be affecting Auburn's coordinator hire. So it's all kind of you know, chicken or egg situation right now, but that that's a really interesting uh, component to this one. But is, several of these are, you know, guys that Hugh Freeze has worked with in the past. And so I'm not sure if that would have changed much depending on coordinator, but obviously, you know, you want to see that assemble sooner rather than later because they are already recruiting. And now you've got to recruit the transfer portal. And truthfully, you have to be recruiting your current guys as well by giving them an inclination of what this is going to look like next year if you stay. Like those guys are needing to be privy to that information and making their decisions as well. So I have said it once, I'll say it a million more times. This is the craziest and arguably most difficult time to be a college football coach. Like it is just everything that they're having to handle right now. It's insane. And this is an Auburn staff that isn't fully assembled yet at the craziest time of year. So my hat's off to them. Godspeed, because there is just so much happening right now. But interesting, though, you said what? recruit your own players. That's what people. Forget. Yeah, like, yeah. You better know that you're going to be a hit when you hit that portal. You better know that there's some real solid interest mm-hmm. because if not, you can get left out and and find yourself on the outside looking in. So that's why I would say don't leave something that's solid trying to look for something, you know, better. Like, yeah, sometimes just stay where you're at and just work through it. There's hills and valleys no matter where you go. And right now we're trying to, you know, make sure that, yes, we keep our guys, but there are some guys that's not going to be on this football team. Right. That are there that Coach Freeze and his staff may want to go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. You know, so that happens as well. 
So all these kids need to understand your scholarship is not guaranteed every year. It's year mm -hmm. to year. It gets renewed every year. So you have to work your butt off to make sure you earn it for the next year. And also guys are trying to decide if they're going pro or not. That's the other right. aspect. Will those guys be back? How do you know if I need to go get a guy in a portal? If you don't know if nearby Pritchett will be back, if you don't know if DJ James mm -hmm. will be back, <laughs> you know, so it's all these things that have to be pulled together. So right now it is a, it is a full-time 18 hours out of 24 hour job. It's that black was getting three hours when he was head coach. So <laughs> I no, And I think that what's so interesting right now is a lot of these guys are literally evaluating do I stay at this program and a lot of them would actually make more money if they're the top dog at their respective college if they stay that last year that everyone's hoping for or whatever they have a lot of leverage right now for the programs that want them to stay put they could arguably make more money staying in college one more year now these are very specific situations this isn't everybody but the, those handful of stars across the country that their programs are going, please give us one more year. The amount of money is literally what they are weighing. What kind of money am I likely to get if I'm going third, fourth round this year versus one more year in college where I'm going to bank seven figures? It is baffling to me that that is a part of the equation for these kids now. But I think you said something that is so important for them to all keep in mind. Like, the grass isn't always greener. It is the classic situation of that. I actually looked it up during the 2021 and 2022 academic year. During that period, a record 3,085 players entered the portal. 866 of them found a transfer home for the 2022 season. Jason, that is 28%. Yeah. 28% of the players that put their name in the portal last year found a home by the season it is not a guaranteed fix I think that's the misconception on this thing is like oh you don't like where you are you think you're going to be in a better situation or get more playing time or what have you somewhere else go into the portal change that commitment and drop that you know place that you were at 28 percent are the ones that it's working for it is not a guarantee so I think that that's also why some of them, there's even, you know, one right now, Xavion Capers is is a name that is in the portal, but it is expected that he is going to actually stay at Auburn. And I think that that's probably part of it too, is guys kind of testing the waters and seeing like, okay, what is realistically out there? I, yeah. I have plenty of opinions about the portal, Jay, but I think one thing that I really, I struggle with I don't think these kids should be able to transfer as many times as they want. Like JT Daniels is in the portal again. Meanwhile, there are kids coming out of, of high school or D1 or FCS that are their development and their opportunity is being stifled because these guys want to play freaking cat and mouse. Like I just, I think we should cap how I honestly, if you want one transfer, I, I I would need to do some more research on this argument, but I just think it's getting a little ridiculous that like, oh, test the water here. It still didn't work. Bounce again and take the spot from someone else who's been waiting in the wings. Like well, I just struggle with that. Well, you can kind of help that as a football program by saying, if you test the waters, we're not taking you back. And we got to get back to teaching a thing, a level of commitment and loyalty. Exactly. So exactly. you have to believe in your program enough to say, hey, if you walk out that door, because I feel like our program offer you a whole lot, 
as a coach, you have to say, I feel like I program offer you the best that there could be anywhere else in mm -hmm. the country. Mm -hmm. If you decide to walk out that door, it's not open when you come back. Right. Right. Because you need a level of commitment. Yes. For some of right. these kids, it is what's best for them. And it is, you know, ultimately what they deem is best. And so, uh, but I think even that percentage, 28% finding a, a home, I think that that showcases the ones that are really doing it for the right reasons, which would be like a better fit or, you know, not getting utilized or like I have interviewed some uh, players this year who came to a different program because of family situations. Like I actually had a player this year who transferred from Notre Dame to an ACC program because his mom was diagnosed with cancer and he wanted to be close to her. And it allowed him to do that without no longer playing football because he likely is going to make it to the NFL. He's a great prospect. And this gave him the opportunity to both be there for his family by being closer to home, but not give up on, on his future dream. There are situations where I think it is fantastic. And I don't think they should be penalized if life circumstances send them in another direction, right? I think that's fantastic. That's true. Yeah, but that's some true. of these guys that are doing it as a, a money or a, you know, a greed aspect, or just, you know, there are, there are kids with who struggle with work ethic. I'm also around that every day. And if they're not getting things as easily as they did in high school or what have you, they are jumping into the portal to try and find that. I think that that gets weeded out in those that actually make it work you know i think it does natural selection kind of takes over and it it does kind of weed out the ones that are doing it for the wrong reasons because it's not going to work if your priority is getting things easily it doesn't matter how long you're in the transfer portal that's not how life works so i think that it does kind of serve itself in that way depending on your reason for pursuing it yeah, you're exactly right. Like sometimes there's health issues that come apart and you right. can't do anything about that. And that's totally understandable. Uh, but if you're chasing money, you're only chasing something that's going to leave you. It's, it's yes. going to leave you faster than you chased it. Right. And so you have to make sure that you're building a solid foundation. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with wanting money and wanting more opportunities to do things and achieve things in right. life. But it shouldn't be your number one. It mm -hmm. shouldn't even be your number two or three. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so that's where we we're missed up from a priority standpoint. So I also think that an element of this that is forgotten is I feel like kids are now getting into the mindset that the only way I make it to the next level is if I get the most possible exposure. That's not necessarily true, Jay. How many guys do you know that weren't the star in college? That's why the NFL at the draft, they do interviews with these guys. It is about character and work ethic and you may have to spend time on a practice team you may not even get to go out and play on Sundays for a couple years how do you handle that like NFL teams take that stuff into consideration and they that's why they have relationships with college coaches they want to know what's this kid like as a member of your team that stuff does matter at the next level and I feel like college kids are almost forgetting that they think that if I'm not on the biggest TV deal, if I'm not on the national championship team, if I'm not the starter, then the next level isn't an option for me. That's not the case. Even if you're the two or the three guy for four out of your five collegiate years, an NFL team is still going to matter and, and still going to care. So I, I think that they're forgetting the way in which 
so many guys have gotten to the league. I don't think that that is going to change. Exactly. And, and and that's not going to change. Like, even in recruiting, they can find you in the smallest places. It's so many, yeah. you know, different recruiting sites out there and different things. They Like, if I got found back in 1998, 1997 in Taylorville, <laughs> which is one of the smallest towns yeah. in the U.S., like, come on, they can find you anywhere. And totally. it's the same thing in the NFL. Some of your better players in the NFL sometimes come from smaller schools in yeah, college. So exactly. It's not so much of, you know, where you go and everything, and I got to have this or I got to have that. You know, sometimes a lot of these guys, uh, Taylor, are trading in their long-term success for short-term, for short-term and immediate money. So and, true. You know, so what's going to keep you there? But if you go so to heart, what's keep you there when it's getting tough sometimes, it's like, no, I love it here. You know, I'm right. not, I'm not moving. I love it here. That's the important mentality to keep intact. And I think that's what I'm so adamant about preserving is that I just have always loved about college football in particular, that it has felt like a privilege, you know, it has felt like a privilege every Saturday to get to watch it as a fan. It has felt like a privilege for me to cover it. And I would assume Jay, that it felt like a privilege for you to play it. And the, the athletes that I have covered, you know, before things really changed, you could tell that that's how they felt, that it was like, they were honored to get the opportunity. You know, it wasn't about what it, what kind of perks they were getting from it. Being a college athlete for the school that you love was a privilege. And now I'm noticing the attitude of these athletes has shifted. And it's that this program is lucky to have me. And that is the difference that I am noticing because the power has completely shifted. And while I can understand a lot of the arguments, uh, you know, for all of these things and the changes, and I certainly agree with some of them, we have to be realistic about how it could change the person and how it could change the nature of the sport and of the product that we all love. And at the end of the day, I think that so many of these guys take more from college football than they took from the business of the NFL. You can see it in the way Cadillac talked when he was head coach. Yeah, he ain't he wasn't tearing up about the Bucks who paid him a hefty amount. He wasn't tear, you know, he's talking about Auburn, the place that built him into a man. That's where the heart and passion comes from. And you should feel privileged to get to have it at the level of collegiate ball at a place that you love. And we are getting to the point where we are training these kids to feel like y'all are lucky that I'm sticking around. That is the problem I have. Exactly. You 100,000%. Like, it's the entitlement that sometimes is hurting a lot of these kids and everything. It's the, when you're coming out of high school, everyone's telling them that they're the best thing, you know, out there and that no one wants to tell them, hey, you can actually work on this. You can Mm -hmm. actually do this a little bit better. It's, you know, you know, they should give this to you or they owe you this or, you know, like, you should demand this and everything. Like, it's that type of stuff instead of just honestly telling them, like, hey, you know, you're you're a good player, but you got so much room you need to grow in. Yeah. Don't, don't start smelling yourself just yet, as they used yes. to say back in the day. Like <laughs> don't smell that good yet. So, <laughs> so, I love yeah. that. 
And you're going to get more, you're going to get more out of college football than just on the field. Like that's the thing that I am just so dead set on not losing. So it is a layered and challenging element of college football right now. We all know that. And this coaching staff is in the thick of it because the 45 day winter transfer portal period began on Monday, the 5th. The portal is already over a thousand deep right now. And Auburn has had a few enter their names as well. Not really surprised by any of them, though, to be honest with you. Defensive lineman Marquise Robinson, offensive, offensive, offensive lineman Keandre Jones, wide receiver. I also learned I've been saying his name incorrectly. I think it's Dazalen. I still might be saying it wrong, but I know it's not Dazzlin Warsham, which is what I've been saying all season. Obviously, he was the transfer from Miami that we got last offseason. He is back in the portal. Linebacker Joka Willis. Wide receiver Xavion Capers, who, again, we kind of expect to still stay at Auburn. TBD on that. Running back Jordan Ingram and quarterback Zach Calzada. And I guess if you were going to pinpoint one as surprising I question mark I guess you would say Zach Calzada not because I really think he saw his opportunity at Auburn I guess because he was the biggest name and this past season was a shoulder injury it wasn't necessarily that he was picked over I, I don't know so I guess that one was the surprise but a couple guys had been in the portal and are now out and those are Tavares Dawson and Landon King both had entered their names in the portal and as of lately with all of the movement to the coaching staff they have withdrawn from the portal and are expected to stay at Auburn so I, I won't be surprised if more enter and I wouldn't be surprised if a couple came out I think that's just the nature of the beast right now, and it's only the beginning, crazy enough. And we're going to talk about some other non-Auburn transfers here in just a little bit, as well as position groups that we think this coaching staff should likely target. But I did also want to go ahead and mention that a couple guys have already announced not a transfer portal, but a declaration for the NFL draft, which isn't, again, a surprise. But still bittersweet, Derek Hall and Colby Wooden both announced today on social media. They put out really heartfelt, awesome, very well done videos announcing their decisions to um, head toward the draft on social media today. So those guys officially head to the next chapter, uh, well-deserved and and certainly represented Auburn the way you want them to. So as much it'll, as it will sting to see them move on, uh, we certainly wish them the best and, and look forward to where they're headed. Where do you anticipate D Hall and, and Colby will, will fall? I've seen stuff for Derek late second round is kind of the expectation for him. And then Colby more like fourth round. I could see them bump though. Yeah. That's the only thing about the draft. It takes one team to fall in love with you. You just got to yeah, get one true. team to, to fall in love and you can go anywhere in the draft. It's yeah. just uh, for them. What hurt is you didn't have the season that you wanted. I know. Um, but from an effort standpoint, you're not going to get a better effort than Kobe Wooten and Derek Hall. Like totally. Derek Hall, those guys are simplified professionalism. Yeah. And who's ever, whoever picks them up in whatever round to get them in, they're getting some some really good guys at at a great – at just it's going to be hard-nosed football players, but yeah. even better human beings. And then one thing they have for them, Derek Hall has for him is the senior bowl. He can improve his stock at yeah. the senior bowl because they get hands-on. They can see him. Kobe got to do a lot of work because he's not able to go to the senior bowl. Mm. He has to do a lot of work getting ready for the combine and his pro day. And he has to knock the knock them out of the park at his uh, interviews when it comes to the combine. Yeah, which Auburn always does a great job of of getting guys prepared for those opportunities. But I think both of them have the makings 
of really solid NFL players. I don't doubt that they're going to succeed at the next level, specifically Derek. I, I think he's just primed for the NFL right now. I would not be surprised if he bumps up to more early second round flavor. And and you're right, the senior bowl will do very well for him. And my guy has a very charming personality. So I won't be surprised if uh, if he slides up a little bit, but we certainly wish those guys well, as we do any of the guys who move on. You know, we it, it's not our lives. We're not judging. We're just sharing our opinions. And we certainly hope that all of them end up in a situation that they're happy. But we got to talk about what makes Auburn happy because that's what we do here. So let's kind of talk about these coaching moves that are still happening currently. So a few updates since the last we spoke, a few guys actually, it was announced that they were not being retained or had been let go pretty quickly after we recorded our episodes. Ike Hilliard, Jeff Schmetting, and Will Friend were all let go and a couple hires have been made as of recent. So Wesley McGriff is actually returning for his third stint on the staff at Auburn. This past season, he was Louisville's co-defensive coordinator and secondary coach, but he coached at Auburn in 2016 and during the 19 and 20 seasons under Gus Malzahn. And obviously once Gus and co were let go, um, he went to Florida and worked as a secondary coach under Dan Mullen. And then Dan Mullen was like, oh, and he went to Louisville. So he's bounced around a little bit. He was also at Ole Miss as the co-defensive coordinator, but Freeze resigned pretty quickly after. So they actually didn't coach a game together, but the intention was for them to be on staff together. So there's obviously history there. There's history at Auburn. There's history in the SEC. So I don't know if it's official what his title is going to be and what role he's going to have. I didn't see it in the article I read, but he is officially going to be on staff. Uh, we also have Ole Miss offensive line coach Jake Thornton was hired, and this one actually got a lot of hype. Obviously, Ole Miss led the conference in rushing yards per game this past year. They were very effective in, in protection as well, and he's kind of considered a, a young rising star in, in coaching, so everyone kind of gives that the seal of approval in that one. Jeremy Garrett is going to be the defensive line coach. He was obviously at Liberty with Hugh Freeze, but prior to that, he was the defensive line coach for the Cleveland Browns, and last year, Liberty was third in the country in total sacks with 41, so obviously reputable there as well. All of them will be. That's why they're hired. Ben... I'm going to have to learn how to say his name. Agamawu? I am not sure. Uh, Yeah, we're not there yet. He's new. I'll learn. Is also following Coach Freeze from Liberty to coach the tight ends and was also at Ole Miss as well. We're sensing a pattern as to be expected. So those are some of the latest. And then, of course, we all know Cadillac is associate head coach and running backs coach. It has also been announced that Zach Efridge and Christian Robinson are reportedly to be retained. Not sure if there is an official title for them announced either, but they will be retained. We still, you know, have a few others that everyone hopes slash expects will be retained. Trevon Reed being one of them, who is currently director of football and recruiting relations. Not sure where that one will fall and in what capacity, but definitely one that I, I think has had a, a steady impact and absolutely should remain. So the biggest ones are obviously the cords. And I, I think that, you know, we're all kind of excited for that announcement, but I don't hate that things seem to already be, you know, being put to action, you know, with so many of them already on the recruiting trail and so many of them, you know, publicly, you know, on social media and and kind of getting the brand being established, even though all pieces aren't together, because 
I think it just shows a commitment to the brand, not to a person. Yeah, most definitely. You want to make sure that the brand is, uh, that's the part that sells everything else. Totally. Uh, you know, that's one thing about having a nice $100 million facility. And, you know, we've seen a survey that went out here on Twitter over the last day about what the new stadium would look like. Well, well not new stadium, but revised oh, right. uh, renovation of this stadium, what it would look like. Like, that thing's going to be phenomenal uh, yeah. if, it gets, if it gets passed and everyone agrees on it. Uh, so there's a lot of things that's going into play here that Auburn is just taking off just from a community standpoint, from a school standpoint. There's so much to, uh, that's going on that's, that's positive, and that's part of the brand. You know, it's getting that brand. That's what used to sell Auburn all the time. Like, coaches come and go, players come and go. But the brand of hard work, toughness, grit, you know, that was sells the brand. And mm -hmm. I think – Coach Freeze and, and Lack and those guys and the coaches are trying to get back to that. That's why they're hiring so many guys back that that knows about this program, what it takes, because we've seen what it looks like to hire someone that doesn't know a lot about the program or what it takes in the SEC from a recruiting standpoint. And nothing against him. It's just that just wasn't, you know, his thing. Priority, you know, yeah. But, but understanding like okay who's in charge here and, and that Hugh Freeze has put a huge emphasis on recruiting he has put a huge emphasis on you know wanting to win and win quickly and how to try to do that and they understand that we live in a society where you're not going to have much time to have to build a team like you used to get in the in the past now with transfer portal and different things they expect you to flip things within a year or two and uh and everything so I just think that from from all of that Armin is given every aspect from a resource to make this back to what it used to be and better. And yeah. uh, so now we just need the right type of players with the right character, right attitude, right work ethic, want to win, want to fight for each other, be accountable, serve one another, mm -hmm. and not have selfish ambitions. Yes, 100%. That, that has to be at the forefront right now with everything that they're doing, both recruiting as well as in the transfer portal and as well as roster management, which is a piece of it for a new coach as well. Um, and obviously with so many guys in the portal, some very high profile as well. I'm sure some surprises for other fan bases. What position group would you, or groups, if you have a few, would you prioritize or expect that this coaching staff is prioritizing at this point? Ooh, cornerback. Oh, uh, okay. The I say cornerback is because we live in a in a division that loves to throw the football. Mm -hmm. And college football, you know, teams, they, they love to throw the football. And DJ James, Nehemiah Pritchett, you know, you need those type of guys back uh, yeah. just because you need that veteran secondary when you're trying to build a young defensive line. You know, you lose a Derrick Hall and a Kobe Wooten, and then you lose Owen Papo in the middle and Echo Leota. You know, you lose these type of guys. It's a big part of what you do of defensively and has to eat up the stat books. You best believe you better have a top end backs back end that can that can break up passes and that can cover because until you get those dogs in there in the trenches, which we'll see what happens in a portal, we'll see what happens in high school recruiting, mm. that can make a difference and get pressure on those quarterbacks where they have to get rid of the ball faster. You may have to hold on a little bit longer, and you yeah. need veteran corners. So I would say, uh, veteran corner first. Okay, I like it. I mean, obviously, I think that the trenches need some investment, and whether that's the portal or 
you know, recruiting and obviously developing those guys. I think if you go the recruiting route with, you know, something as important as, as the trenches, it's kind of going to be more of a, a development piece than immediate impact. So I, I think depending on the priority of that will depend on where they emphasize, you know, getting that done. But we obviously know how our line struggled and, and the room. Right. For, yeah, yeah, uh, defense is corners, but offense is offensive line. for sure. Yeah, totally, totally. I, I mean, I think even the defensive line is going to be depleted, right? We just talked about guys, you know, that are that are moving on. And without Eku Leota, you know, the run defense really had to kind of figure it out down the stretch. So I think both sides of the ball, the the lines and and making sure that you're you're deep there is is a priority or it has to be when you look at the current roster that we've got so then offensively aside from offensive line any others that you kind of anticipate oh besides offensive line I would probably say you know quarterback yeah. um, the reason I say quarterback is because you know yes Robbie's a tremendous athlete but you know we have to improve in the passing game yes you know, like I said like he's been a big part of what we do from a run game standpoint but our passing game was you know close to almost last in the SEC and, you know, we've got to improve that area uh, as we continue to grow. So I think that there will be some guys that Freeze bring in with him to compete with Robbie. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the best man will win the job. And for Robbie, he has to understand that no matter he's in college or at the professional level, uh, there's always going to be competition. And you're always going to be battling in that, in that realm. And so – he has to understand that as well. He should be preparing himself mentally and physically on trying to figure out how do I get better now and before spring ball starts so I can showcase myself. Yes, absolutely. I think at this point, the job is not Robbie's. Like, I, I don't know if that's the preconceived notion right now, just because he obviously was for us during the season. Zach Calzada is leaving. TJ Finley uh, isn't officially in the portal, but all expectation that he is not going to be part of the team, nor do I think he would be in the running at this point. Holden Garner, definitely a guy that that Harson spoke highly about. We just don't know enough and haven't seen, and I don't know what his run ability is, which has been a large part of Hughes' systems in years past. So I think while Robbie looks to have the makings of a guy, obviously I pointed out, you know, similarities in some level that that he can, you know, showcase that look like Malik Willis. I don't think the job is his. There is far, he is one dimensional as they come. And, and depending on what can be done in this off season to correct that would depend on, you know, would dictate if, if the job is his or not, because I think run wise, he, he's incredibly effective, but I don't think that you hedge your bets that it's going to be Robbie. And if I'm Hugh Freeze, I'm definitely getting some other options in there because I I haven't seen enough to believe that Robbie is going to be the guy come August. So I agree. And I actually just pulled up current quarterbacks that are in the portal right now, just running through them. Keaton Slovis has transferred from Pitt. Spencer Sanders is transferring from Oklahoma State. Devin Leary is transferring from NC State. Now, Devin Leary is a very talented quarterback. He's just been so injury prone. He obviously was their starter this past season and and went, you know, down with a season ending injury, I believe, to his 
pectoral muscle. I'm pretty sure that was him. I've covered several quarterback injuries this year, but I'm pretty sure. And then in 2020, he also was cut short because he had a broken leg. So he's had several injuries that have plagued him throughout his career, but he's very effective. Uh, definitely has high expectations of teams that are going to look at him. Drew Pine from Notre Dame, Phil Dracovic, who was at Notre Dame, transferred to Boston College, got hurt this past season, and their backup who came in for him has actually done very well, Emmett Moorhead, so he is transferring out of Boston College. Obviously, DJ Uyunglele, I I don't think anyone was surprised by that, and I, I'll be interested to see what the level at which he plays his next snap. I'll just say that. Graham Mertz from Wisconsin, Hudson Card from Texas, Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech, Brennan Armstrong from Virginia, JT Daniels from every school in America. So it's it's interesting the names that are out there. And I think there are some that people expect to still hit the portal. I think for some of them, and that's a unique situation. And, and it makes you wonder if if Hugh Freeze kind of had a conversation like it with Zach Calzada, where, you know, you get a chance to see other guys play. Like I think of Devin Leary at NC State. There were so many expectations that NC State was going to win the ACC this year that it really felt like NC State, it was their year. And a lot of that was contingent on D Devin Leary's performance. Mm -hmm. And at first it was going very well. And then he goes down with injury and their backup, his name's MJ, I believe. He stepped in freshman and did very well. And I think that the coaching staff kind of had to tell Devin, like, look, two seasons having you go down with injury, we, we're hindering the development of these other guys that need full attention. We think it's in your best interest to move on. You do have a lot of that. Like I've yeah. talked to coaches who have said, we have to have conversations with guys and tell them for what we're doing and what we're on the brink of accomplishing, we think you're going to have a better shot somewhere else. So a lot of, a lot of it has that involved as well, which is why it's, it's all so, there's so many gray areas of it, right? It, it's not black say, and white. Like I always say, the best ability is availability. Availability, yeah. And they can't, these college coaches get fired year in and year out if they don't win. So if they don't have a quarterback that can stay healthy or stay on the field, they're going to try to move they to where they can. Yep. It's so true. So, I, I mean, there's plenty out there and I would not be surprised. I don't even know if their quarterback at Liberty, what kind of eligibility situation. Cause I mean, Hugh could convince his own to come with him. You know, we're in that day and age. You're not only bringing your staff, you can bring some of your players, which we all know that Dion plans to do. So let's talk about some of the other coaching moves that have happened since we last spoke. The carousel isn't really a carousel. It's like a freaking roller coaster. That's that gravity one that used to spin at the fair and everybody would like throw up. That's kind of how the coaching carousel has been lately. So let's talk about some of the recent ones. Obviously, most notable, Deion Sanders heads to Colorado. After JSU won the SWAC championship, he gathered his team and announced to them that he was going to be heading to Boulder to take the head coaching role at Colorado. He also basically told the current team to kick rocks. <laughs> so he came in guns a blazing, but very Dion. And uh, he's already assembling his staff. He managed to get a head coach to come be his coordinator. Kent State head coach is going to be their OC. So 
it is going to be a very interesting tenure to see how he does things because he doesn't do things the way everyone does things. Just like having his son stand up in a press conference and announcing that he was going to be the quarterback. Like it's just, (laughs) it's unconventional and it could certainly ruffle some feathers, but if it works, he's going to be deemed one of the best very quickly. So it's, it's going to be very interesting to see. I'll run through some of these and then you can talk on which ones you feel strongly about. Jamie Chadwell fills Hugh Freeze's role at Liberty. And that one blew my mind. And we're going to come back to that. So Tim Beck, who is the NC State offensive coordinator, fills the role at Coastal Carolina. Scott Satterfield, Louisville's coach, fills Luke Bickle's role at Cincinnati. That one blew my mind. Alex Golish, Tennessee's offensive coordinator, gets the South Florida job, even though they were supposedly talking to Dion. Tom Herman, who hasn't coached since he was the head coach at Texas, is an FAU coach now. Like, I can't keep up. There is so many changes this year, and so many of them have really shocked me. Like, I just don't think, even with Auburn's, the writing hasn't been on the wall as much as, as coaching carousels in the past. And several of them, I think you see the imprint of just how different college football is right now. So many of these, to me, seem lateral, Jay. So many of them even make you go, well, isn't that a step down? But it's a step down in the hierarchy of college football of the past. It's not the current. So many of them are now dealing with with money and, quote, resources, aka what facilities are we dealing with? What kind of NIL funds do I have to go out and make recruiting a little bit easier? That's going to make coaching jobs more compelling, even though they may not be a power five school. It is just wild. Tell me your thoughts. Well, you just hit the the nail, you know. I know just, I really covered a lot right, of it. I'm sorry. Right, because uh, <laughs> the simple fact is, a lot of these coaches are jumping ship um, because you just said resources. Yeah. You know, they don't they don't have to fight so hard to to get him um, fight so hard to get everything that they need because it's already there. You know, so they're going from one college to another college. So it's like, okay, I don't have to spend so much time over here in this department trying to get boosters to build this stadium or try to get boosters to to get these facilities. They already have these facilities. Now I can put my more my more energy more into my players, more into, you know, getting prepared for the games and more into recruiting guys rather than trying to, you know, worry about all this funding and everything. So I think you have a lot of coaches in that aspect. And then you have some that probably feel like, okay, I'm looking down the road a year or two would they be trying to get rid of me? And do I have the opportunity to, to move now? And so you have some coaches that that move now. The one that I think is going to hurt the most is the one that left Tennessee to go to South Florida. Because, really? Yes, because I think the fact that when you have an offensive-minded coach and an offensive coordinator that's really good, like everyone wants to say, you know, Josh Heupel. Yes, Josh Heupel is a, is a screen smart as well. But his coordinator has a lot to do with the success of what exactly. they were doing, designing, because he's the guy that's sitting in that room on a daily basis while the coaches at the quarterback club speaking to, you know, some boosters and trying to raise money for this and raise money for that. He's back in the office designing plays and working with the quarterbacks, trying to get them on a the page and get them ready to go and uh, and everything. So that one hurts a lot. Dion hurts a lot for the HBCU as far yeah. as a whole because the attention that it brings – the attention that he brought to the HBCU TV opportunities, uh, college game day, 
you know, coming down there and putting the focus on HBCU. Um, right. You know, the energy it brought to to HBCU that feels like, you know, they don't get seen as much. And I think that one hurts a lot to lose him because you lose a big power source in your in your uh in the HBCU. Right. Um that was probably be number one. Number two would be the one from Tennessee. Number three is the coach Satterfield leaving Louisville to go to Cincinnati. I guess, you know, the quarterback from Louisville is, I guess, going into the draft. And I guess he feels like I can go to Cincinnati. This team has been competitive for the last four to five years. He's looking at this as an opportunity, too, for himself to say, if I can go to Cincinnati, I know they probably went to the Big 12, but Texas and Oklahoma is leaving the Big 12 in 2025. So I only have to deal with them probably for a year because they may leave a year early. So he's thinking like, okay, I can get Cincinnati where they're already at and just keep it afloat and keep going. I could next jump into one of these even bigger jobs like uh like Coach Fickle just did from Cincinnati to Wisconsin. You know, and yeah. uh, so there's so much opportunity where a lot of these coaches are looking, how can I get to the next step up while I have the opportunity? Because they come quickly and they go quickly. And they own so many of those jobs. And in a lot of ways, a lot of them try to get themselves secured in a place where they feel like how can I do, how can I still earn a generation for my kids? But at the same time, I can focus on what I love to do. And that's just coaching kids and not have to worry so much about buildings. Yeah, it's true. I think one that really confuses me, not just on his decision to go, but why he's even in this situation is Jamie Chadwell. Like, what he's built at Coastal Carolina and the sustained success at that program. Now they lost to Troy in the Sun Belt Championship this past weekend, but still, what they've accomplished down there. And, you know, he's been on lists for a couple years now as consideration and all of these jobs that have been opened. Why is he even in a situation where he's taking liberty? Like, I, I'll be honest, I would love to know if Auburn talked to him or if they did, why it was a no. Like, I I just expected that he would be at a higher level by now. And it must be, it feels like it's so far away that he took the Liberty job. Like, that to me is lateral. And I do... I do think that Liberty probably was able to pay him a lot. They were going to give Hugh five a year, but, and I I have heard that Liberty's facilities are great, but I don't know. I'm just surprised. Like when people talk about, you know, coaching vacancies at the power five, he's almost always brought up. So I'm, I'm shocked that that hasn't come to fruition to the point that he's now at Liberty. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's an interesting one. You know, I, I kind of forgot about that one because yeah. you know, I guess he's looking at it as an opportunity, you know, same as freeze, I guess. You know, you go there, you can have some success, you can move back up quickly. Um, but the coaching carousel is just there's years like that. And I think with the playoff Taylor coming, where it's gonna be a twelve team playoff, I think mm-hmm. coaches are trying to position themselves to get in certain places Mm. by the time this playoff thing gets here. If you have a chance to hit some of these playoffs with a 12 team playoff, there's so much more opportunities now. That's true. And I think think that's what these, a lot of these coaches are trying to get themselves positioned to. Yeah, that it is forward thinking. You're right on that. And man, wasn't it cool this week when they announced final rankings to see what the matchups would have been for 
if it was expanded this year, oh my gosh, so many of them would have been awesome. It got me so excited for that. So with that, obviously the final ratings are out. I just buried the lead, but let's go ahead and touch on that real quick. Obviously a little bit of chaos happened on conference championship weekend. I feel like a couple of them went the way we expected and a couple really blew my mind. And it started on Friday night when USC got their tails handed to them by Utah and maybe not all that surprising because Utah had their number earlier that season, but it was, it was the differentiation of the score that surprised me. Like, especially USC got off to a hot start. I kind of tuned out a little bit. I was like, oh, here we go. And then it completely flipped the other way and Utah just gained steam and never looked back. It was, that surprised me just the way in which it unfolded. And I liked it because Kayla Williams is a good quarterback, but he is so arrogant. You know, oh, he needs Jason. a little bit of a humble pie. You know, you write that on your nails. Like, I hope someone Come gets on. to him and teaches him about the the respect of the game, but also, dude, you're a leader. You know? Yep, that bothered me a lot. I think that gave him a little bit of humble pie, even though he I still may so. win the Heisman. But uh, here we go. Know, <laughs> yeah, because that's apparently how the Heisman is determined, but we'll get to that. Um, I think the best game of the weekend, as expected, was the Big 12 championship. Kansas State and TCU went into overtime, and K-State took the win, causing some confusion for some. I kind of felt like even if TCU lost, especially losing in overtime by a field goal, that they were still in. I felt like they had kind of claimed it by that point, but it did open conversation. Well, can Alabama wiggle their way back in? Like now the committee has to weigh, you know, pros and cons and whatever. But that game was incredible. I think the season that Kansas State had has been really cool. And they will now play Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, which I think will be a really cool matchup. It's also going to be interesting because a lot of Alabama players are entering the portal, which is interesting. So, um Georgia as expected really put a pounding on LSU Clemson UNC had no merit so no one really cared but Clemson won <laughs> Tulane beat UCF and like I mentioned Troy beat Coastal Carolina for the Sun Belt Championship and obviously that's just a few of the big ones and congrats to all of the conference championship winners but it sent us into selection Sunday with a little bit of chaos but I think an expected result Number one, Georgia, number two, Michigan, number three, TCU, and number four, Ohio State, which of course sets up a Georgia, Ohio State, and Michigan TCU semifinal. Thoughts on the final four, thoughts on the conference championships, et cetera. Yeah, I thought the conference championships, let's be honest, the LSU game and Georgia lost a lot of luster when LSU lost to Texas A&M. You know, like, how can you lose to Texas A&M when you get ready to go play for a playoff game, basically in the SEC championship. I think that would have gave him a lot more energy in that game. So that game did not live up to what it would have been or could have been. Uh, Michigan and Purdue, that was a little bit of a slugger fest for most of it. And then all of a sudden, Michigan kind of pulled away like they oh, do. Right. They wearing you out in the second <laughs> half. Yeah, the second half, they pulled away. Um, UCF and Tulane, you know, the rematch, it's hard to beat a team twice, especially you have to go back to their place and beat them twice in their in their place uh, of course Tulane ended up winning that one that was just tough uh tough defeat uh when you think about USC like we said I talked about it I feel like they got some humble pie you yeah. know they're living in LA they everyone's you know pumping them up and everything and all of a sudden Utah come in there and Utah hadn't been not them losing to the Florida loss didn't hurt them the Oregon yeah. loss hurt them if it hadn't been for that they would be in the playoffs um I just feel like from a championship standpoint, even 
TCU game. Like Kansas State is a really good football team. And they came to play in that game. And TCU fought back, you know, I, I think that they fought back and they're in the playoffs. And I know Bama probably was at home thinking like, oh, here goes our chance and and everything. But you know, they didn't lose by enough to be knocked out of the, the playoffs. So, yeah. you know, even if you think Bama's the better team right now, trending towards the end of the year, you couldn't knock out TCU after losing by three Agreed. points to the team that they beat earlier in the year. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be a, a really good Final Four college football. I think the Georgia-Ohio State game is very intriguing. Uh, really? It's going to be basically a home game for Georgia. It's yeah. in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz. So it's going to be a lot of red regardless. Um <laughs> But True. I just think you're you're talking about a track meet offense versus a physical football team in Georgia. Mm -hmm. So with speed beat size, it's going to be the question in that matchup. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to TCU, I like their quarterback. I like what I he do can too. do. Uh, them playing Michigan, it's kind of the same similarity. TCU, uh, can they beat you with their receivers and their quarterback? In Michigan, you know they're going to run the football, but their quarterback can actually throw it too. He's kind of like Stetson Bennett. You know, so Michigan and Georgia are very similar if they meet in a championship. So yeah. that could be a toss-up game. But Ohio State um, and TCU have both have speed. But I'm thinking Georgia and Michigan in championship game. Time. And shocker that, you know, it's going to be in SoFi Stadium, which is going to be awesome. And I think this is Michigan's year. I hate to say it. I, I, I think this is Michigan's year. I'm pulling no. for Georgia the SEC. I'm just uh I'm just looking at from the eye test, them going into Ohio State and beating a tough Ohio State team and and, and beating them, not just beat them, they beat them. And then yeah. when you look at Georgia, they struggled on the road against Missouri. They struggled yeah. against Georgia Tech for a first half. So how many yeah. games can you get away with and just start pulling away at the end? You know, like that, that's not only going to carry you so much. You get against a team like Michigan, I just feel like they're going to pound you and pound you. And they're a better second half team than they are first half. So I just yeah. think that this may be Harbaugh's year where they get the championship. Wow. Okay. Hot take. I kind of like it. Um, I'm with you, though. I think it's going to end up being a Georgia Michigan national championship. And I will have to do a little more research before giving my final pick. I would love to see. I don't like when things get so repetitive. Like week one, we were all like, oh, it's Georgia's year again. Like, go ahead and chunk it up. I hate when that happens, you know? So part of me loves for uh, something unpredictable to happen. But I do think that Georgia has so much depth and so much talent. So it'll be interesting to see. But like I alluded to, the Heisman finalists, Caleb Williams, Stetson Bennett, Max Duggan, and C.J. Stroud, color me bored. Um, I mean, they've had great seasons, but apparently you need to be in, you know, the highest profile teams by the end of season to be considered a finalist. So that's kind of annoying. But what's not annoying is Auburn Volleyball having a historic season. It came to a close this week against number 23 Houston in Omaha for the NCAA Volleyball Tournament. They lost 3-2 to two in that one, but an incredible historic run for them. Congrats, ladies. I saw a lot of accolades for some of the players as well as the head coach. So really special season. Hats off to them. And Auburn basketball, number 11 in the country right now. We could crack the top 10 pretty soon. We're off to an 8-0 start. We're one of 
just a handful of unbeaten still in the country. Lord, please don't let that be different by the time this podcast comes out, but definitely off to a hot start. And we are going to get more heavily involved in our basketball coverage now that football season is winding down. I say that December is pretty chaotic, but still basketball is upon us and we will gladly give some attention to Coach Pearl and the Tigers. So that is going to do it for us this week on Believe in Everything Auburn. As always, Jay and I greatly appreciate you guys listening and following along. Make sure you hit subscribe if you haven't already so you'll get a notification every time we release an episode. It is bowl season, which is pretty chaotic for your girls, so our scheduling may be a little off, so having notifications is the best case scenario, so then you know you won't miss an episode. So make sure you do that. Continue to follow along as we get into basketball season. And as always, everyone have a happy, healthy, safe week. Until we talk again, War Eagle. War Eagle, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.